You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You're listening to episode 142 of the Well Woman podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This week, our episode is all about estrogen, and we are chatting with Tara Thorne on the topic of achieving a healthy estrogen balance. In this amazing conversation with Tara, we talk all about understanding exactly what estrogen is, the importance of metabolizing estrogen, and how metabolizing estrogen is very different to metabolizing your food. We discuss the nutrients that you need to make estrogen in the first place, including the importance of micronutrients for your health. We talk about maintaining health and how we can do so with health checks, either every six or 12 months, and the right places to go for those and the right tests and checks to ask for. We also discuss the signs of estrogen dominance and imbalances in our menstrual cycle and how we can see if we may have an estrogen imbalance. We also chat about how estrogen dominance can can affect all aspects of our cycle and how to support a healthy balance of estrogen. Tara gives us some amazing steps on how we can do that and there's literally up to like 10 steps. So you definitely want to tune in for that. But the reason why I asked Tara to come and join us on the show is because she's a functional nutritionist and a certified functional nutrition coach and a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner. I know lots of functionals in there, but basically she helps work with the body in an alternate way with functional support. She is also trained in the Institute of Functional Medicine, specifically in hormones, and is an expert at interpreting the Dutch Comprehensive Hormone Test, the GI MAP test, and the HTMA test. We also talk about that a little bit in our episode together here. Tara is consistently upgrading her knowledge and is seldom, if ever, without a course or diploma of some sort on the go. While Tara lives here in Australia, she practices mostly online with people from all over the world, including North America. So I know you're going to enjoy this as much as I did chatting with Tara about this topic. This literally is the episode that has everything you need to know about estrogen as a foundation. Hence why I chose to call this episode Achieving a Healthy Estrogen Balance, because by the end of this episode, you will have a bunch of dot points and notes that you can understand one, how estrogen works, why it's important, and then how to help bring it into balance. So enjoy this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. Are you new to getting to know your own menstrual cycle? Would you like to understand it in a better way and know how to live as a cyclical woman? Well, this is the simplified self-paced course for you. It teaches you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with the action steps, a cycle tracking guide, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish they had taught you at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle science before they arise. It's now your turn to join over 500 women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this too in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. To learn more, visit wellsome.com forward slash shop. And to thank you for being a listener of the show, use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. Tara, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. 
I'm really looking forward to diving into our topic. So thank you for making the time to be here. Um, before we jump in, as I just gave you a prompt and a heads up, tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you <laughs> checking in? So I had to check uh, my app. Um, the uh, What is my app? Um, I'm on day 12 and it's called the Life app. Okay. Yeah. Is that what you mean by how are you checking in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, one, that's a real, actually, no one's ever asked that question. So how are you checking in? She's using the Life app, um, which I haven't heard of that app before, but great. But um, next thing is how are you feeling in this moment in reference to checking in with yourself? How are you checking in with how you feel, your mind, your emotions, your heart, your body, you know, you know your belly, all of those things? How are you checking in in that way? Well, I'm feeling okay. It's a funny time in the world, as you and I have discussed. And so, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling uh, content and strong, but definitely a little, little um, cautious, a little bit anxious about where we are in this strange world of ours, mm-hmm. right? But I'm also very grateful because I'm one of the lucky ones in many ways, I think. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I suppose that's how I sum up how I'm checking in. Fantastic. And you are spot on. And I think abundance and, you know, knowing that you're safe, your body's safe, mm-hmm. like that's the most important thing above all. Yeah, so thank absolutely. you for sharing. Now, we're going to be talking all about estrogen, estrogen, same, same, tomato, <laughs> tomato um, today, which is going to be such a fun topic. But before we dive into that, tell us who is... Tara Thorne and how did you get to become the woman who helps other women with their mm-hmm. own hormonal stuff from skin to belly to moods to all that stuff sure well I guess my friends have told me I've always had an interest in health and wellness and like bettering myself and that's true but I think it really started when I moved to Canada so I was born in Canada raised in Australia then I met my now husband in Australia and we and he's Canadian so we moved to Canada and I had some severe anxiety and it was bad like really bad I'd never had anything like that in my life and I ended up his my husband's uh, cousin who's one of my good friends she had to end up taking me to the doctor and the doctor gave me an anti-anxiety pill and also put me on some antidepressants which I took for a very short period of time because uh, as much as I did need that anti-anxiety pill because my mind was kind of like on a loop and uh, I'm not against medications as a bridge but that's what set me into this mindset of there's got to be a reason for why I suffered with that anxiety. I never had anything like it since. Um, But I was like, I don't believe that it's because of a deficiency of these anti-anxiety meds or a deficiency of these antidepressants. That's not why this is occurring. So my mind has always sort of been like, okay, well, what's going on here and how can I fix this? Because I intrinsically knew that those drugs weren't the fix, they were a bridge. Um, And that set me into this investigative um, place of what's going on? How can I get happier? How can I live my best life? And so I remember I picked up the Dr. Yoshi detox guide, which my friend at the time was uh, doing his cleanse. And that was kind of my first foray into sort of health and cleanses. And then that led into over the years, I then started to work with 
uh, naturopath and I did some writing for him. Then I started to do freelance writing. It was all in the health and wellness space as I was getting more and more interested and educated in, in women's health and in overall health. Um, and then I did start to study to be a nutritionist. But around that time, I had just had my first born and I had postpartum thyroiditis and I had postpartum anxiety and it was pretty miserable. And that then also propelled me further. Actually, that was what propelled me to finally join um, or sign up for the first nutrition diploma I did. And then when, and then I really was just so passionate about everything I was learning about health and wellness and nutrition and how we have more control than we've ever been led to believe we do about our, not only our physical health, but our mental health. And then I had my second baby and I had and postpartum anxiety again. And, uh, and I just dove more into it. So, and then my adrenals were, were problematic and they've always been my Achilles heel, probably more due to childhood trauma and just burning the candle being more type A. So all of these things combined just really fueled that already existing, but unacknowledged passion and, and interest in health and empowering ourselves, right? Not having mm. to give up our health and our happiness to doctors or so-called experts and just sort of be victims and be like, well, my, my health and happiness is in your hands. Fix me. I don't know what to do. Like, that's not right. We, we can absolutely take the power back and empower ourselves and do so much more when we are our own best health advocate that's when we really make the strides and I I don't know I guess for some reason it's just a huge passion of mine I just I love the fact that we can empower ourselves so that's uh, I guess my story in a nutshell fantastic thank you for sharing I think you know I run a program called or a course called cyclical which is a training provider course for teaching people how to become certified menstrual cycle coaches and it's interesting your journey in helping others is naturally inspired by your own journey. And whilst everyone's journey is so uniquely different, that's what makes you different in how yeah. you teach or how you share or how you educate or how you support. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing. Sure. Yeah. Now let's talk about estrogen, estrogen, because <laughs> I think this is a hormone that's so important to the endocrine system and the women's menstrual cycle. But most mm. people just hear, oh, you've got too much estrogen or you mm. don't have enough or the estrogen is in the wrong balance at the wrong time. Mm. And that's as much as it, like the extent of knowledge goes. But mm. I'll let, I want to open the can of worms on it so that we can learn yeah. more about that so we've got a better understanding yeah. of it. So let's talk about what is estrogen to start with. Yeah. Okay, so... Um... And, and you'll be saying estrogen, estrogen. We were talking before my Canadian and North American um, time spent in Canada and, and training there. I'm going to interchange the two of them. But um, so your your estrogen is obviously the dominant hormone for women, right? Like testosterone is for men. Our dominant hormone is estrogen. So really, the term estrogen dominance, I think it can confuse people a little. We're supposed to be estrogen dominant for a certain part of our cycle. Um, and then it dips down and our progesterone takes over. But it is such an important hormone. So as much as estrogen dominance or estrogen excess, um, you know, what that really means and encompasses can be bad news when we suffer the symptoms of having um, essentially not enough progesterone or having our estrogen not metabolized correctly in the body, which is probably the most important thing. It's also very problematic not to have not enough 
estrogen. So it, it is definitely with all hormones, it's that Goldilocks balance. We don't want to have too much. We want to have just enough. But with estrogen in particular, you've got to make sure it's metabolizing really well if you don't want to have those mood swings and PMS and heavy periods and brain fog um, and even more scary conditions, right? Because we can get that carcinogenic estrogen, which can uh, definitely play a role in some estrogen dominant cancers. So uh, you know, so much we can talk about, but just sort of, just so women understand, it is a very important hormone. We don't want to be scared of it. We don't want too much though. We don't want too little. We want to balance it with progesterone and we want to make sure it's metabolizing correctly in the liver and in our gut. Um, there's three phases and we, if you want, we can get into it, but that's, I guess, the tip of the iceberg of kind of what estrogen is. <laughs> and it's it literally, because and there are so many things in health that are literally just like the tip and you're like, mm -hmm. it's a whole new world when you like dive <laughs> deeper and you learn all about it, um, yeah. which, yeah, I totally honour. Now, you mentioned a couple of times about metabolising estrogen. Mm. So what does that actually mean? Like you mentioned that, you know, when our estrogen isn't metabolised in the body or it's not metabolised properly, most people are going to be like, what does that even mean? Isn't metabolism mm. to do with your food? So exactly. let's explain yeah. what, like, what does metabolizing estrogen mean and what's the benefit sure. of it and why do we need it? Okay. It's one of my favorite topics because I think it is so important for women to understand this because we have boobs and we have ovaries and we don't, and we want to protect them. And, and people say, well, what do you mean by protect them? Well, protect them from cancer is really what I mean. Now, I don't want to give anyone sort of, you've got to be very careful with the C word because it is so complex. Mm -hmm. nobody really understands it and and the truth is you can be the most healthy human on the planet and still get it so I don't want to you know I never want people to think oh I just do a Dutch test in it and get my estrogen metabolizing properly and I'll be fine it's just not that simple but but I truly believe though that that is so important if you do have concerns in that area let alone like I said the other concerns like heavy periods and headaches and brain fog and anxiety and PMS and sleep issues and all of that also those niggling nagging symptoms also rely on healthy estrogen metabolism but we do have this carcinogenic estrogen that we don't want too much of so when I say metabolizing we have um we have multiple different estrogens in the body, not just one. We have about 60 forms, but the three main ones are E1, E2, and E3. And these then go through these pathways, these enzymes in the liver in phase one, metabolism of estrogen in the liver. And they go down these pathways and they turn into metabolites. And those metabolites are uh, 2OH, 4OH, and 16OH. And when we've got these three metabolites, in phase one metabolism of estrogen we want them to be in the right ratios for good health and to help in part prevent too much uh, dna damage right just cancer formation so we want these uh 2oh 4oh 16oh we want 2oh to be we want a lot of that that's a really healthy anti-inflammatory estrogen and again it's a goldilocks you don't want too too much but that's the one you want the most of for optimal health with estrogen then the 4oh is the nasty carcinogenic estrogen which it can then travel down a pathway and cause dna damage and that then can obviously play a role in cancer. So we don't want a lot of that metabolite. And then we have the 16-OH, which is a double-edged sword. It can make tumors and cysts grow in the body. So if people have ovarian cysts or fibrosis breasts, 
um, or endometriosis, things like this, you don't want too much 16-OH, but it's also very good for your bones. So you don't want too little. And this is that the, the maybe the frustration of hormones. It is always that Goldilocks, not too much, not too little. So that's phase one. You want to get those three estrogen metabolites in the right ratios for optimal health. But then we go into phase two of the liver, and this is a, through a, a chemical reaction called methylation in the body, multiple different methylation cycles. And in particular, we use an enzyme called COMPT. And I guess this, I can get sometimes a little carried away. So I'll try to bring it back and not get too complex. But phase two is methylation of estrogen. That's just another phase. You did the phase one. Now you're doing the phase two. And this is by far the most important part of estrogen metabolism because it will take that bad estrogen metabolite I spoke about before that can bind to and damage DNA and will methylate it out and it will get rid of it so that hopefully you're not going to be going down that dangerous DNA damaging pathway. So phase two methylation, super important, especially for anybody like me who has breast cancer, ovarian cancer in their family, you want to get that working quite well. Um, and then you have phase three and phase three metabolism of estrogen that occurs in the gut. And there is an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, and you need to have not too much of this beta-glucuronidase so that you can actually bind up all your used up old estrogen and poop it out. And that's the phase three, and you need a healthy gut in order to do that. And a little tip for your listeners, eat raspberries, because that will actually support that phase three and actually the phase two. So I hope that wasn't too much, but they're the three phases. So you got the phase one, phase two in the liver, and then phase three in the gut. And you've got to get your estrogen metabolizing correctly and running through these phases correctly. It's not just about how much estrogen you have. It's not even just about how much estrogen you have compared to progesterone. It's about how you're metabolizing your estrogen through all these three phases as well. Oh, this is such a good explanation, Tara. Thank you. Cool. Most people, are pro- I, should say, I shouldn't say most. I can imagine some people like, hang on, eh, like 4-O-H, what did she mention? <laughs> so to kind of sum up, let's talk about firstly, yes, estrogen goes to the liver. We go through, mm-hmm. go, travels through. It's kind of like think about your estrogen's a car and it's traveling through the liver. So it's got mm-hmm. the first tunnel of the liver and then it's got the second tunnel of the liver and then it's gone through those two and then it moves to the gut and then it goes through phase three in the gut Mm -hmm. so before the car arrives at the liver where does the estrogen come from well you're making your estrogen from a few different places right but you've obviously got to have that healthy um, brain to ovary signal so you need a lot of things working optimally in order to have good estrogen so you need the healthy brain to ovary signals, right? And then you can get into obviously how much you're eating and your stress. But the other thing that I think a lot of women fail to sometimes understand, because a lot of people come to me and they say, Tara, I just want to do a hormone test. And I say, okay, that's great. And I love the Dutch test and we run it. And it's the only test, by the way, you can see the metabolites, the phase one and phase two. But you have to actually make your estrogen in the first place and you need to look at the gut. You need to look at your nutrient absorption. So if you have an unhealthy gut, you're not going to be able to synthesize multiple different hormones, let alone do all the other things we just spoke about, the metabolizing and the excreting. So you need to have a really healthy gut in order to absorb the nutrients that are required to make estrogen. And a lot of people don't actually realize we actually need nutrients to make estrogen. 
like it doesn't just it's not just there we actually need uh, various different nutrients to synthesize it we need the healthy gut to do it and then we need that healthy brain to ovary communication as well so it all plays a role you, you got to look at look at it all holistically in order to have um, good production of estrogen I'm loving this. <laughs> I say that a lot on podcasts because I'm like, oh, this is like my jam. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show, it makes me think of, you know, when you're a kid and you've got the song about like your knees connected to your thigh bone, your thigh bones yeah. connected to the hip and, the, you know, everything is so connected. And yeah. you mentioned a couple of times about the brain ovary signal. That's a topic for me when I talk about natural fertility sure. of hormonal contraception, mm. which is the crux of it. Mm. But I want to highlight the fact that you've mentioned a few times about the liver and the gut and how important liver and gut health is. Mm. And I always find this so interesting, Tara, because if you go back to, so I studied ancestral health in Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. Mm. Traditional Chinese medicine is all about the, the liver. And then right. traditional Indian medicine, like Ayurveda is all about the gut. And Chinese medicine stems from Indian medicine, which stems from Egypt. Like they all kind mm, of come from the wow. same place. But it's so fascinating because mm-hmm. for centuries they've been talking about how important the liver is and how important the gut mm. the gut is. And we're starting to see now more and more, I also I don't like the word evidence, but evidence and information about how really important these two areas of our like our body yeah. is and our health. Mm. Now let's talk about the gut and nutrients because you mentioned about why you know we need nutrients for estrogen but what are the nutrients that we need and what does that Mm. look like so Mm. it can maybe explain to make that simple a simple question is (laughs) what nutrients support healthy estrogen okay well things like magnesium um, because magnesium is involved in the manufacture of steroid hormones right obviously we need cholesterol as well so we it's a whole nother topic of high cholesterol and all of that mm-hmm. and and why we don't necessarily have to fear high cholesterol but magnesium's one that we need we need our b vitamins particularly b12 and b6 which i think a lot of women are deficient in and b6 is one of my favorite if not my favorite b vitamins for women's health mm-hmm. um, we need folate for these but b vitamins they are cofactors in the production of estrogen um, um, vitamin D, although I'm not a, I'm not really on that bandwagon of like right now in the world, everyone touting the benefits of vitamin D. Yes, vitamin D is important, but it's very nuanced. Um, and there's probably a lot more that I am not remembering at all. Um, so there's a lot of different nutrients and they work in various different ways. And then again, those nutrients are required for the metabolism. So for example, that COMPT enzyme, the phase two, just think phase two, that requires magnesium to work optimally. And and, and I'm glad we're talking about micronutrients because I think micronutrient deficiencies or nutrient deficiencies and minerals and vitamins and the deficiencies of these, which everybody has because in this day and age, we simply don't get enough for various reasons. I think they are one of the biggest underpinnings of dysfunction in the human body and when you start to optimize these nutrients by supporting gut health as one and then testing and plopping in whatever you might need and you know it's kind of like a car I always say to my clients you go and get your car checked out 
like I don't know I don't I don't do this my husband does it but I don't know once a year twice a year but you're like me you work from home so you don't have to do it that much you don't drive that often and quite frankly I'm not interested like maybe I should be I'm not I'm not interested in cars I let him do it if I need to do it one day I'll do it but you know the oil change and you check the engine and you look at your tires and you make sure that car is running optimally and you put the money in to maintain that car I'm a big believer that women need to put the money in to test their micronutrients at least once a year and then get a plan to optimize those micronutrients at least once a year because everything's always changing. It's not like you test once, you optimize micronutrients and you're good for life. No, yep. because we're humans, we change, we get stressed, we come into contact with, with um, environmental toxins, like things deplete our nutrients every day. And we've got to always be on top of that and looking what's too high, what's too low. And usually it's most things are too low and we need to optimize because without them, Exhibit A, we can't even make one of the most vital hormones that we need to keep vital for the rest of our life, estrogen. Mm. And then there's hydrochloric acid, which plays a big role because it's one. that's why we're talking about gut health. It's one thing to have these nutrients, but if you can't absorb them because you've got poor gut health, it doesn't matter. You can pour as many of these nutrients into your system as you like. You can eat the best diet in the world. It could be super healthy. But if you're not absorbing these things because you've got low digestive function, low stomach acid, low pancreatic enzymes, then you're just, it's an uphill Shitting battle. it out. <laughs> you're just shitting it out. Um this is beautiful. I love that you mentioned about nutrient deficiencies, especially micronutrient deficiencies. And for those who are like, what are micronutrients? Micronutrients are like the broccoli. The micronutrients are the things that are in the broccoli that you can't see. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that I'm on the same page as you with this. And I love how you said to maintain health. There's a few things that you would recommend, including getting your micronutrients tested yearly. I actually do that every six months um, and I've been doing that yeah. every six months since I had leaky gut back in 2012 because, mm. you know, and I grew up in a family of celiac disease. So I very much mm. know about nutrient absorbency and the malfunction of that and how easily that can occur. Yeah. But I foresee it's kind of like plants and you can see in my camera, like I have a plant behind me. I've got lots of indoor plants mm. is that they thrive off micronutrients too. It's a different, style of micronutrients but if the plant's dead or dying you know you boost up its micronutrients sunlight water Mm -hmm. resoil Mm -hmm. fertilizer what imagine if we just treated our bodies the same way and i think that all diseasement or imbalance in the body begins at a micronutrient level i have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the well women academy the well women academy is my signature group coaching program It's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other, not to mention it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash academy. 
You talked about maintaining health and getting your you know, micronutrients tested. I'd love to get your insight before asking another question about estrogen. I'd love to get your insight on, okay, let's just say you're working with a client and she's like, look, I would love to just maintain my health and get, you know, get a checkup. What should I actually get checked? Like, who should I see? Should I be going to see a naturopath once a year? Should I be going to a GP once a year? Like, what would you recommend as a good foundation for you know, a, a woman, anybody really, but mm-hmm. we're focusing on menstrual cycle. So a menstruator's yeah. health, like who could she see? What mm. should she do? What could she do to maintain that, to get the knowledge that she need, needs to understand where her body's at? Yeah. That is such a good question. Um, I love it because people, that's a, a very valid question that so many women want the answer to. And honestly, I think that you need um to people. You need to have a GP or a primary care physician who you really trust, who is open-minded, who isn't going to belittle you or belittle, um, you know, micronutrient status, who's, who's humble enough to realize that there is more to the body than, than what allopathic medicine teaches. And, and I say that because a lot of my clients come to me and I want them to do a full blood panel. And I think that you need to do that at least once yeah, I agree with you every six months. That's what I do too. And I do for my, my family, but some women just don't, you know, I can understand sometimes that's a, a bit much. So once a year to every six months, a full whack of blood should be done. And I know in Australia, it's, it's um, much less expensive to get that done by your GP and other places of the world. It's a little different, but you need to have a doctor in your corner who totally. hopefully can write you those bloods. And I will say to my clients, if they say, well, my doctor's not willing to do that. You know what I say? So you go find another doctor. <laughs> I was just find about to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Find yeah. someone that, and, that and, can and be in your, be your cheerleader in your court. Right. And yeah. who's, who's not arrogant. Who's not going to laugh at you. I've had the worst stories from clients who say I've asked, I have all these hypothyroid symptoms. I asked for a thyroid test. They only test TSH. And then they laugh at me because they say, see, your thyroid's fine. Meanwhile, it's not fine. But anyway, you need a good doctor who hopefully will help you out with some blood work. And if you can't get the blood work done or, you know, the doctor is a good doctor, but sometimes they just can't keep running the test at the rate that you want them. You can do private labs and then you have to be willing to pay for them. But they're always an option, too. But then I think you also need in your corner what I call because, again, I've got I'm sort of in that North American world of of my training and we call it more functional health practitioners I know in Australia here when people say to me what do you do and I say a functional health practitioner they look at me sideways I just don't think it's really (laughs) yeah exactly and I don't I just don't it's coming but we're a little it can be a little bit behind here so yeah I I think so too yeah, right. And I say that with, you know, love for Australia and, and my fellow Aussies, but I think the function, the word functional health hasn't really caught on yet here. So sometimes I say I'm a naturopath or a nutritionist and I understand that more, but that you need somebody who's functional, who has, and what that means is who understands everything we're talking about, the liver, the gut, everything's connected, that knows that when you're talking about hormones, you don't just talk about numbers on a piece of paper. You've got to look at the at the diet, the lifestyle, the circadian rhythm, everything. It's that holistic approach is what functional medicine is. Whereas that allopathic approach is this, just put you in a little box. If you've got hormone problems, you see an endocrinologist, but that endocrinologist is never going to look at your liver or your gut. 
right? And that's just never going to work. So you need somebody who's functionally, holistically minded. That might be a nutritionist or a naturopath. And my personal opinion is you've got these two people who you trust who are in your corner, who can run the right blood work, the right functional health tests, like the Dutch test that we spoke about before. Um, but the two tests, honestly, as much as I love the Dutch, that I would suggest you get your full bloods done. Now, bloods are only as good as the practitioner interpreting them. And yes. I love blood, but, but you need to have somebody who really knows. And it is very complex blood work. But then I also think a GI map or a stool test and a HTMA, which is a hair uh, trace or hair tissue mineral analysis, which looks at your minerals and it gives you a, a glimpse at your heavy metals. And I think those two tests, when run together, can really propel people's health because you're working on that gut where you need to absorb your nutrients from. And also that's where most inflammation comes from. And then you've got the whole microbiome topic, which impacts pretty much everything. So you're working on that and then you're fixing these minerals, which are the spark plugs of life. And yes, your vitamins are crazy important too. You can take a B complex and that's a very good idea. Um, but these minerals are so underrated and under talked about in the online health world but without these minerals which we have to put in our body we don't make them like we make some b vitamins we make some other nutrients but those minerals will change your life once you get them optimized so i think gi map htma at least once a year combined with a good blood panel if everybody did that my gosh the drain on our healthcare systems around the world would dramatically de decrease and people would just be so much healthier and happier. And yeah, I just think that's a really good way for a good starting point for people at least. I love it. This is great. And I think that we can so easily become confused as to like, well, where do I start? And who do I see? And if I only mm. have the funds to invest in one or two people and I've got four recommendations, who are the people that I yeah. see? Um, just on that with the note with the doctor is that, you know, your doctor isn't just your doctor and isn't just someone who's going to tell you what to do. Your doctor is there to provide a service. And mm. if you don't feel like you're feeling supported or you're receiving a service, you know, reach out and yeah. look for another doctor. It's kind of like you wouldn't settle with a partner that didn't feel that wasn't right. supporting you. So keep looking until you find someone, maybe ask some other people if they've got a good experience they've had. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, doctors around the world are very different and the healthcare systems mm -hmm. in every country are so vastly different. Um, mm -hmm. So I love this really good overview. So thank you so much. Hopefully everyone's got a good take on like, cool, once a year I can spend two weeks yeah. or over a two week period and just block all these things in. Um, you mentioned Dutch test a couple of times. Mm -hmm. We don't really have too much time to talk about it, but we do have an mm -hmm. episode on this podcast already. It's with Ashley Norris. It's episode 115 and we talk all about the Dutch test. So one question I'd love to ask you about that, Tara, because you live here in Australia, is where is it good to source Dutch tests in Australia? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean... I will always say you need, this is why I think you need that functional health practitioner by your side, that naturopath, because they can source the test for you. So with the Dutch, I think you can go and get one yourself. I, I know in the States you can and in Canada, and um, I'm not sure about Australia. And you can order them online over there and get them sent can, to you. You can. Oh and gosh. I have a little, I, I sort of think, well, I think that's a bit problematic because the Dutch test, you cannot read that if you don't have the knowledge and the experience totally. and the training. You can't. 
So what are you going to do with it? You're going to sit there and go, great, I've got all these dials and numbers. I have no idea what it means. You're going to have to find that provider anyway. So you want to find somebody who's trained in the Dutch, who has experience with the Dutch. Do your due diligence, I would suggest, and find somebody who can then uh, order that Dutch for you. Uh, I think it's way better than just going and getting it. So, I mean, I don't know if you want me to say like literally where people can purchase it. I don't know in Australia where people can purchase it online. I think in Australia, you can only go through a practitioner. I, I think know. so. I think so too. And that's why a lot of people who have listened to that episode 115, which came out a few months ago now, mm. are like, I've been looking everywhere online where to purchase it. And I think that's one of the biggest oh, things is that you, you put your finger on it so well is that just because you order the test and you get it, unless you have that as a pre-plan for seeing, let's just say it is a functional um, nutritionist or a functional mm. herb, like whoever it is, um, mm. if you're like, great, I'm going to order the test. I'm going to do the test. I'm going to have the results before I go to my appointment. Then I've got them to take to my appointment. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah. maybe you don't need to do the Dutch test. Maybe you need to do a different test. So That's yeah, working right. with someone is really important. Right. And just because someone on a podcast said Dutch tests are amazing, which they That's are, right. doesn't mean that yeah. they're specifically what your body needs at the time when whatever your goals are. So thanks that is so well said. Yeah, that, that's so well said. And honestly, um, you know, you, people may hear me say this, and I do say it a fair amount um, in, um, in my online platforms, is that I do love the Dutch and um, I run a program and every woman gets a Dutch in that program, but they also get a GI map and an HTMA. And like I, I say that the, the Dutch is wonderful, but sometimes it gives you more questions than answers. So you might see, oh, yeah. my estrogen's high, my progesterone's low, but why? We don't, it doesn't necessarily give us the why. And that's where the minerals and the gut, there's more why in those tests. Um, but don't get me wrong, when you do the three together, what a, what a great trifecta. But sometimes, like you said, the Dutch may, if you've got limited funds, you may not have to do the Dutch right first away, even if your problems are hormonal. I love it. I love it. Thank you. This is, this is great. I'm loving this conversation. Hopefully Yay. everyone listening is loving it too. Um, yeah. So much really beautiful information. So let's switch gears a little bit. I wanted to ask you, like back to what we kind of opened with around estrogen and estrogen dominance. I think I'd love for you to clear the air around the topic of like, well, how can estrogen dominance when it's a negative dominance? Because I remember you said it is the dominant mm. hormone. But how mm. can negative estrogen dominance where it's out of whack affect our cycle mm. health? Because oh, yeah. some people don't even know, like to backtrack that Tara, sorry to cut you off, is that no, no. people don't even realize what I call them cycle signs instead of PMS. They don't even realize what the cycle sign is that could be a sign, could be, doesn't mean it is a sign, but could be a sign that, oh, maybe I should get my estrogen checked out. Or maybe this is a really good time mm. for me to get my hormones explored. Or this is a good time mm. for me to see the GP. Actually, no, this is probably a better time for me to see the naturopath or the nutritionist. Mm. Um, mm. Let's talk about the, the signs that can come from having estrogen mm. dominance. Okay. So I guess like this, first of all, maybe I can list what some of the symptoms are and then as it pertains to the cycle. So PMS symptoms, heavy, uh, heavy periods, fluid retention, bloating, um, headaches, uh, mood issues, anxiety, depression, being weepy and emotional, these kind of things, irritability, anger. You know, if you get really bad PMS, 
you have an estrogen problem, hands down. And whether that is too much estrogen and not enough progesterone, or whether it is a phase one or a phase two or a phase three or multiple phase uh, issues, there is something there that is driving that PMS. So that's a big red flag. Uh, low libido, sleep issues, sugar cravings, histamine is a big one. So if you're somebody who maybe you don't have PMS or heavy periods, but you have itchy skin and you have maybe eczema or you react histamine foods, like that's a big one because histamine and estrogen, they kind of drive each other. Um, breast tenderness, uh, fibroids, breast cysts, fibrocystic breasts, uh, uterine uh, cysts, endometriosis um, and also thyroid and, and that's a big one with uh, fertility I'm no I'm not a fertility expert but fertility and your cycle uh, estrogen excess problems with having um, you know too much estrogen is going to impact your thyroid negatively and so then that's going to just completely can screw up your cycle and obviously your fertility and a whole whack of things and then you're having this sluggish thyroid issue and then on the flip side, a sluggish thyroid is also going to lead to estrogen excess because of the way these things um, impact proteins in the body. So thyroid and estrogen excess, a sluggish thyroid and estrogen excess are very much correlated. Uh, and again, this brings us back to why you can't just look at one thing, you have to look at it holistically and altogether. So those, I guess, are some of the signs or the symptoms that your estrogen may be causing some issues and needs attention. I love it. Thank you. It just goes to show that it's quite an extensive list. Yes, it is. Um, and that just then goes to show how important understanding your hormone and your hormone balance are. And so it drives me insane when people are like, oh my God, are you hormonal? You must be getting your period soon. I'm like, excuse my language, Tara, but I'm like, no, fuck Sherlock. Like, I'm some hormonal. I have like so many hormones in my body we're all hormonal you're hormonal too we just have different balances okay. of it <laughs> so yeah that's right that comment drives me absolutely bonkers absolutely um, so okay i'm loving all of this really loving it i would love to explore now if someone's listening to this and they're like okay what's the best place that i can start to help support a healthy balance mm. of estrogen because we've mentioned about gut and the liver and the two phases of the liver. We've talked about stools and healthy stools. And then you've just mentioned all of these different types of cycle signs. Yeah. If someone's like, oh, yeah, okay, I understand I've got an estrogen imbalance. For however you found out that reason, you know, ideally seeing somebody, mm-hmm. what, are the, what are some things a, a menstruator can do on a daily basis that can support a healthy balance of estrogen? Yes. Uh, okay. So... Uh, first of all, I think when it comes to excess estrogen, you've got to think about those xenoestrogens, right? So like BPA and chemicals in your personal care products, chemicals on your food, plastics, that's going to increase the harmful estrogen in your body. So that's um, one thing people can start to think, can I slowly switch out all my plastics for glass? Um, other personal care products I'm using filled with phthalates and filled with toxins that are disrupting my estrogen. So slowly looking into those things, going to the environmental working group, they have a database. You could just Google environmental working group, skin deep database, and you can start putting your shampoos and your face creams and cleansers and and things like that into that database. And you'll see how sort of toxic they are. Start to try to minimize your toxic exposure. Um, That's huge. Obviously, supporting the liver. So that's things like bitter foods, 
castor oil packs, dandelion root tea is such a great tea for all women to consume multiple times a day. You can consume that. Anything that supports the liver and bile flow is super important. Um, so I mentioned raspberries before because they support phase three elimination of estrogen. So eating raspberries every day is a healthy food for women. Flax is actually quite healthy for women. Uh, there's a few caveats, but that can be quite healthy and helps with the phase one metabolism of estrogen. So having like flax and raspberries in your smoothie. And you mean smoothie, like flax seeds? Flax seeds, yes. Cool. I think they're called linseeds here in Australia. But, yeah, um, flax seeds, linseeds, lins, same, yeah, same. Interchangeable. Same, same. Yeah. <laughs> But you want to buy them whole and grind them yourself because if they're ground, they can oxidize those. Yes. Um, really concentrating on bile. Like I find bile so underrated, but my goodness, when you get that bile flowing well, and again, it's bitter, just think everything bitter and the dandelion root tea and there's supplements you can take, but bile flow is huge for estrogen health. Um, uh, what else? The stress. I mean, if you're stressed out constantly, it's going to impact your hormones very negatively. So actively working every day to reduce stress and get into that parasympathetic state. The fact is, and I tell my clients, if you do not do that, you will never see the results you seek. And so many people don't want to do that. And it's free, it's completely free. You could meditate, do deep breathing, um, go for walks, calming the system down. There's so many things, ways you can do it, but that's crucial. Otherwise, you absolutely will mess with your estrogen if you're always in that fight or flight or go, go, go or type A, the yeah. recipe for disaster. Um, Working on inflammation, that's huge too for hormones and estrogen. Heavy metal toxicity, that's probably getting a little bit far and that's where the HTMA comes in. But I think, you know, having a really good quality diet of protein and produce, the flax, the raspberries, trying to eat organic where you can because if it's not organic, it can lead to some estrogen issues. Reducing your toxic exposure by way of personal care products, using glass instead of plastic. Um, I guess those are some quick tips that I can think of. <laughs> Just yeah, a bazillion of them, but they're great. Oh, just a few of them, yeah. I can, sometimes and, I can go a little far. <laughs> you know, and I don't think you've gone far at all. I think you could go much further and you know that you could easily yeah. go much further. I it just <laughs> it just highlights that you've kind of if someone's be like, where do I start? And then they listen to this and they go, Oh my god, there's so many to do. It yeah. just pick one or two and start with that for yeah. a couple of weeks and then pick another one or two right. and then add those in for the next couple of weeks and then so on and so on because it can be overwhelming, but it just goes to mm. show with the list that you just shared, Tara, how important it is mm. that you're to see that your lifestyle from how you store yeah. food in your fridge to what you wash yeah. your hair with to where you, where you spend time in your outer environment, whether it's a work office that has fluorescent lights and is quite toxic, all of that mm -hmm. impacts your body and your health and then your overall estrogen balance. That's so right. healthy life, healthy hormones. <laughs> That's right. And I just want to say one thing. Yeah, a lot do. of women, if they, if they think that they've got estrogen excess, estrogen dominance, whatever we want to call it, and they've listened to the symptoms and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got four of those symptoms. Oftentimes, I hear women going and taking DIM, the supplement DIM. And so, and one thing I didn't mention, cruciferous vegetables are a woman's best friend and broccoli sprouts too. So go and eat them. But the DIM, you never want to take that if you haven't done a Dutch because it, it quite uh, effectively drops your estrogen and drops E1 and E2 
two particular estrogens, you can see them on the Dutch, but you can have, it's very important for people to understand, you can have all those symptoms I mentioned of this estrogen excess or whatever, but you can have low estrogen in the body. And this is why the metabolites and talking about them is important because you can have low estrogen and you can have even lower progesterone and that's why you have those symptoms or you can have low estrogen, your progesterone might be okay, but you're not metabolizing it right. And that's why you have those symptoms. It's not always because your estrogen is sky high. And that's why DIN is not necessarily everyone's best friend and can, it can sometimes make matters worse. In fact, I don't put a ton of people on DIN. So that's, I think, important for people to understand. No, that's a really important point to make. And I think also it kind of just highlights the fact, and I'm sure you see this in your practice, especially working with people in North America and across Australia, maybe in other countries too, mm-hmm. is that just because you've read that it's really good to use or zinc's really good for your cycle or B12s and B6s is really good for this, doesn't mean you just go out and you buy the product and go, oh, yeah, that's I'm working right. on it and I'm taking this because you know, from what I know of years in the nutrition industry, like close to mm. two decades, is that mm. just because you take something doesn't mean your body's going to know what to do with it, Yeah. right? Just because you, you put food it? in the fridge doesn't, doesn't mean your partner's going to know how to cook it, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. it's, just, it's the same concept <laughs> and maybe you don't need it, maybe you need something else and that's why you're low in that because of the ricochet effect somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're feeling yeah. like you want to take action, congratulate yourself and then reach out to someone and simplify the process and just ask for help. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for sharing that. I, um, I'm pretty much all out of questions. I know I could keep asking questions because this is such a great topic. Um, but do you think there's anything else that needs to be covered around understanding estrogen as a starting foundation? Well, I think we did cover a lot. And I mean, if women just start to eat, the raspberries and the cruciferous vegetables and be mindful of their liver health and do those tips and like you said like they could listen to this podcast and rewind it and just write the tips down and then implement one every one to two weeks whatever works for them and slowly look into what does constitute liver health you know google search liver health and functional medicine right but a duck duck go and be careful where you research, but start to think what bitter foods support liver and bile and they could just go down that list and every week or two implement, change some things, learn about some things. I think there's, yeah, been a, probably some, some good information in this chat. And then when, if and when they're ready to dive in and find someone who can do the Dutch and hopefully alongside the GI map and the HTMA and go a little deeper with things. But I think it's a, I think we've covered some good stuff as a head start. We have, we have. Thank you so much. I'm very, very grateful for you dedicating the time for this and just sharing these little wisdoms of gold nuggets for the gold hormone estrogen. (laughs) So exactly. Thank you. Um, you. I would love for you to share Tara, how people can find you Mm -hmm. because I know that you run a hormone course, which is great for women Mm -hmm. to learn about. I guess all the stuff we've talked about, but specific for their body and their own health. So how can someone find you and learn more about what it is that you do? So I think it's always best to go to Instagram because that's where I'm most active and that's where I do a lot of education and you can sort of find out more about me and how I educate and whatnot. So my Instagram handle is Tara Thorne Health 
And from there in my Instagram bio, there's my links and you can click through to like freebies that I have and more information about the program that I run or the testing that I do. Instagram's really the hub, I think, where everything is. I mean, if you want to go to my website, it's Tarathon Nutrition. One day I'm going to change it to health, but it's not right now. It's Tarathon Nutrition because I started out as a nutritionist. And um, yeah, they're the best ways, I think, of finding me. Fantastic. Well, it'll include all of those in the show notes. So thank you so much. Now, as we wrap up, I have one final podcast question. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. a question that I love asking our guests. So we're kind of switching gears a little bit. But Tara, I'd love for you to think back to your younger self when you went through menarche, your first period experience. What are three Mm. things that you wish you had have known then that you now know today? Uh Well, I can tell you, I wish I knew about period panties back then, period panties, but they didn't (laughs) exist. (laughs) Um, I've got a daughter who's 10 and I've spoken to her about how, you know, she's, I'll give her the period underwear and she can put it in the school bag or start to wear it when she reached about 12 or so. Yeah, I went through, I got my period about 13. But um, honestly, I didn't have any, I mean, my school explained a little about, you know, what your period was. And so I guess that's where I got my knowledge. But um, I don't know, I didn't have, I didn't have a terrible experience. I was lucky with my periods, but I also didn't have uh, a mother figure who really told me a lot about it ahead of time. Um, so I guess just being aware that, you know, it's not nothing to be shamed about, nothing to be grossed out by, that it's a natural part of becoming a woman. And I think having more education around ex- celebrating it, I think it was more maybe shamed a little bit. So that would probably be the thing I wished had been more prominent is this is a beautiful time this is uh something to be celebrated and to be proud of and to not be you know not feel icky about i guess is what i'd say fantastic they're great tips thank you so much for sharing and fantastic that your daughters can be fully educated all about this stuff which is really beautiful i also wish we had period panties at school that would have changed a few of my Uh, anxious moments I'll call them yeah. <laughs> as a teenager um, yeah. but Tara I've loved having you on the show so thank you so much for, for joining us oh thank you Gemma it was so much fun chatting with you thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the well women podcast I trust you enjoy this episode as much as we did if you got a lot out of it too please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app this means together we can inspire connect and educate even more women Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag WellWomenPodcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.